0: It's the ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel America's number one sports book right now. You can check out the new and improved parlay hub filter by odds, sport and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all in one page. Plus start betting on the explore page and the pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you
1: by Empower. You got money questions like...
0: Welcome to the Ringer's Philly special. Shil Kapadia here. The Philly season is underway. I thought we were going to be talking about a, an exciting win, maybe a blowout early in that game. Did not happen that way, but we're going to talk about the opener. And, of course, look ahead. It's only one game out of 162, and an 11-7 loss to the Rangers. But we have a first-time guest on. Very excited. Love her coverage of the Phillies uh, from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Alex Coffey, who's you like, and you're you're a pro. You're like in the press box doing a podcast. This is way too professional for what we're usually used to.
2: Yeah, I'm all about the atmosphere, so I'm trying to give you an authentic <laughs> representation of uh, of what it's like to be in uh, be in this uh, environment. We have a leaf blower going in the background. I don't know if you can hear that. It's uh it's very scenic.
0: Natural sound, uh, awesome. We we love it. So, Phillies go up five nothing in this game. First seven hits, all extra base hits. The bats were alive. I want to talk about you know some of that, the positives. But let's start with what in the world happened in the fourth inning. Nine runs, seven hits, three walks, fifty six pitches. I think uh, by the Phillies. There, you're in the locker room. You're on the scene doing reporting afterwards. Any explanation for that fourth inning? Just a weird game? What what did you see there?
2: Yeah, well, it was totally bizarre because Nola had a no-hitter going through his first three innings. He had only walked one guy through those innings. So, um, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, it seemed like we were kind of geared towards a blowout game. The Phillies had scored five runs in the first four innings. You know, looked like we were kind of headed that way. But um, he just, you know, he had trouble locating his pitches. He had trouble locating his off-speed pitches specifically. Um, We talked to him after the game and he was asked about the pitch clock and said that, you know, it's something that he has to get used to. So obviously there are a bunch of new rules in baseball this year, so that could have contributed a little bit too. So it might be a combination of factors, but... Um, but yeah, it got ugly real quick. <laughs> Down here. Which feels kind of fitting, honestly. Like given how this team, it's always like a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. To this team, it seems like. So I don't know. That kind of seems fitting in a way. So
0: yeah, n- no <laughs> doubt. It, it was funny with the pitch clock. Like they were doing more just on on TV of like putting it up on sort of the score bug in the left hand corner. And Degrom, it was like he didn't even need it. I mean, he was just catching the ball and throwing it. He's a fast worker anyway. My daughter, yeah. you know when we're when we're watching nola is like oh you you know it it gets to like five and she's freaking out like he's really pushing it it's gonna get down uh to zero there but um yeah that that was odd how i mean you can have a bad inning but then it just kept going and going and you're like nine runs in an inning that usually uh does not happen i saw jason stark and i know um rob thompson was asked about this after the game Mm -hmm. about like nola pitching from the stretch versus pitching from the windup like his splits uh are very different did he say anything about that is that something like that has been on your radar previously because i i don't remember uh hearing about it before
2: um not mine but he did say that the that they've been looking into it so that was like basically the extent of what he told us (laughs) i don't know if they've come to any conclusions but yeah gotcha yeah we'll see
0: And, and then the, just the bullpen having to pitch this many innings, when you kind of zoom out and look at like some of the storylines early in the mm-hmm. season with how unsettled they are on the back end of the rotation, is it like imperative that they don't get starts like this from Nola and Wheeler that those guys give them, you know, six innings or so? Because it just feels like there could be this sort of domino effect where if these relievers are pitching when, when, you know, Nola and Wheeler are pitching and then we know they're going to have to be there in the back end of the rotation. Like just how do you sort of view that as an overall concern of this team or kind of what to expect here uh, in the weeks ahead?
2: Yeah. I I mean, definitely their fifth starter right now is a reliever. (laughs) So, you know, he he has experience (laughs) starting, but how many, you know, how many innings are they expecting to get out of him? And he pitched today. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I feel like that kind of encapsulates the situation, you know. Um, they definitely, you know, they definitely need more more length, obviously, from especially from these two guys because they're their work, you know, they're their workhorses, um, Nola and Wheeler. So, I think yeah. from those two, especially, you know, getting like a longer start is really important. Um, but. But, yeah, I guess we'll see how, you know, what the ripple effects are. And I will say, like, the back end of the bullpen looked really good today. Um, Andrew Vasquez, who they acquired during the offseason, only allowed one hit. And then it was, like, hitless and scoreless from that point on um, between Andrew Bellotti and Matt Strom. So looked good um at the very end but obviously by that point uh the nine run inning had already happened so yeah (laughs)
0: there there were a couple (laughs) blue pits in there and a a pass ball which it certainly was weird and then you looked up and you're like wait it's tied five-five. Wait, they're down nine-five. Uh, all of a sudden, there. So, it, like you said, it it seems sort of fitting. Everybody was very excited. I was very excited when it was five-nothing. Yeah. I'm just going like, oh, this is you know, this is going to be yeah. great. This is exactly how I envisioned it, and that's not what happened. But let's get to some of the good stuff because there was mm-hmm. good stuff. The bats mm-hmm. were alive. They they were all over Jacob Degrom early in this game. Uh, Alec Bohm, We we've read you and your colleagues writing about Alec Bohm in spring training, mm-hmm. and it's been like, wow. This This, this could be very exciting. That translated uh, to the first game here. Just what did you kind of notice about him? You're reporting during spring training. And then obviously uh, what you saw from, from boom tonight, having three hits, I think just a triple short of the cycle there.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I've been, I feel like people have been trying to figure out like why we're seeing what we're seeing, why he's tearing the cover off the ball. Like, is there one specific thing? Is there something that he changed? And, Honestly, it seems like it's just a continuation of the work that he did with Kevin Long last offseason and, you know, improving his timing, getting more in like the hitting position, um, just making these like small tweaks that that enable him to hit pitches better that evaded him last year. You know, like the pitch that he hit off DeGrom for that home run was I think it was a 99 mile an hour elevated fastball. And that's a pitch that he wouldn't have been able to hit last year. So it wasn't just like the fact that he showed the power. It was the fact that, you know, he was able to hit muster up and hit this pitch that, you know, would have been really difficult for him in seasons past. So obviously it's really encouraging. He was one triple short of the cycle.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Everybody else um, hit a triple, right? (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which would have been really interesting if he had hit for the cycle at a day where the Phillies have a nine run fourth inning and and, uh, you know how do you process a game like that um but uh but yeah no he's looked great all spring and he's carried that so far into the regular season so
0: what do we make of uh of nick castellanos's first uh first game not not drawing any conclusions from his first game but tell me about kind of what you saw from him in spring training if you were bullish on his ability to have a rebound season or if you were just kind of like I'm unsure we'll uh, see what happens he has a couple hits tonight also had uh, three strikeouts there I I I didn't have like a strong opinion of hey this looks great or this doesn't look great or this looks different again it's only uh, one game but zooming out a little bit expectations for for Castellanos and, and a potential bounce back
2: yeah. Um, well, I definitely say, like, first off, like after seeing him all spring and just seeing him in the clubhouse, he he seems more settled. Like he seems more comfortable there. Um, last year, we, they were coming off of a lockout, and he had to find a place at Philly, and they were ex- he and his wife were expecting their next child, and there was just like a lot of life stuff going on that I think made yeah. that transition a little bit more complicated for him. Um, so I think that you know, he seems more settled and then that can like play out, you know, onto the field. Obviously expectations are really high for him, especially now that Hoskins is, you know, he had um, surgery today and he's not going to be able to contribute this season. So um, the stakes are definitely high, but um, you know, two hits today, obviously it's a small sample size, like take it with a grain of salt, but, but yeah, he seems, I think settled is probably the best way to put it.
0: Two for five is better than zero for five when you're trying to have yeah. a bounce back season, right? So, yeah, exactly. You
2: know, you, you'll definitely take that.
0: Um, during, during this game, one thing that stood out to me is just sort of their athleticism. I mean, we mentioned that three guys, right, had triples in this game and you kind of look around and you're like, oh, Real Muto is a great athlete. Trey Turner is a great athlete. Brandon Marsh is a great athlete. Is that something that uh, you know has kind of stood out to you as you've watched the way they've put this team together and I guess, you know, it's not like all those guys are different from last year, but certainly different than sort of the first half uh, of last year, even before they got Marsh, that they're going to be able to capitalize on some of these new rules and the bigger bases and stealing bases um, and just kind of having more athleticism in their lineup.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you saw, um, I think it was like a wild pitch or a pass ball, like Turner was able to score easily from third, you know, and that speaks, you know that's that's that athleticism in action that's you know what it looks like on a day-to-day basis so yeah. um so definitely and i mean they have more like you can go down the the lineup um or through the roster like guys like sosa who they acquired last year um super athletic super versatile you know they have, they have like a handful of those types so i think that it'll, it'll definitely um I mean. play to their advantage for sure
0: what did you think of the lineup uh, tonight? Were there any, like, surprises in the batting order? Is this what you expected? Der- you know, Trey Turner leads off, Schwarber, Real Muto, Derek Hall bats cleanup, uh, Castellanos, mm-hmm. Stott, and then Bone bomb, uh, bomb Bats. Uh, seventh there, is this kind of what you were expecting? Were you surprised by any of that? Do you expect them to do some tinkering and moving some of these guys uh, uh, around, especially early in the season as they figure out what it looks like without Reese Hoskins?
2: Yeah, I think the only one I was slightly surprised by was Bohm being that low. Um, and I think that if he keeps hitting the way he's hitting, they're going to move him up.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: But, uh, but other than that, no- nothing crazy stuck out to me. I'm just looking at it now. But, uh, but yeah, nothing else really.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Uh, you mentioned the rules earlier. I thought we had like a a little fun moment there with the, what was it? The pitch com, uh, Mm -hmm. malfunction. And then it looked like the pitching clock expired and they called the ball and then they reviewed it and reversed it. Like what, what exactly, uh, was happening there? And do you expect this sort of thing to sort of be, um, you know, happening, especially early in the season as they figure out some of the new rules?
2: We honestly didn't talk about it after the game because there was so much, there was so many other things to discuss between yeah. like, between Baum's, uh close, getting close to the cycle and then uh, Nola's nightmare of a fourth inning and then, you know, the bullpen blowing it after that. And then, you know, there was, there was a lot to go through. So we didn't, <laughs> yeah. we didn't talk about that, but I do think that there are going to be, you know, some growing pains there because it is new and there are a lot of differences this year. So.
0: My my favorite moment there as a viewer was John Kruck was getting very frustrated by what was happening there, and he compared, and then he and then he just dropped this line. He was like, "They had trouble scanning our media credentials too." Where it's like, right, "Those two things probably aren't connected." But I appreciate it uh, that, that it, he's just like, "They got to get their act together here at the stadium." Pitch malfunctions, uh, media credentials aren't scanning, uh, and then as a viewer, uh, the the other Kruk thing that stood out to me was he was asked. If he watches Ted Lasso and he he had this very vague answer that he can't because he's not allowed to subscribe to Apple TV. And so the question was like, well, why not? And he brought up that he tried to buy like those those Hoka sneakers, those, you know, expensive running shoes for twenty dollars. Uh, it was a scam. And so after that, he was banned from buying anything. So I don't really have a question there. I just know you don't get to listen to the broadcast. So I thought that was probably yeah. vital information that you, you might want just to, you know, yeah. if you need to sprinkle it in here and yeah.
2: there. Yeah, no, that's, that's (laughs) welcome information. I also heard that he, um, he's going to be at the Taylor Swift concert tomorrow and I'm going, so I'm going to see if I can see him there, maybe in the standing standing room section.
0: (laughs) Well, that'll be awesome. Because one thing that I love that you do is you take us, you know, us fans behind the scenes, whether it's, uh, what was it? Brandon, you got Brandon Marsh to bark before the game today, right? Was it?
2: Yeah. I mean, getting him to bark is like getting him to breathe. It's not a difficult like, <laughs> thing to do. You know what I mean? Like he's always barking.
0: So. <laughs> you had that. And yeah, last year, I loved uh, this, this stuff you gave from the locker room during all those celebrations. So definitely uh, follow Alex on Twitter. Let, let's zoom out and do a few uh, look ahead questions before I let you go here. Just let's look at the stretch between like now and let's say Memorial Day, you know, the first couple months of the season, like, what is most interesting to you about this team during that stretch? Is it how they replace, uh, Reese Hoskins? Is it, you know, Castellanos? What is he, can, can he bounce back? Is it the, uh, back end of the bullpen? Like what are, you know, one or one or two of the things where you're saying, all right, early in the season, the first couple months, uh, I really want these things on my radar to see how they play out.
2: Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of storylines that you can go with, um, seeing if Bohm continues hitting the way that he's been hitting, um, is definitely one. Uh, Seeing if Castellanos can bounce back. I mean, seeing how Derek Hall fills in in Hoskins' absence. If they say that he's going to get a couple of opportunities against lefties and, you know, seeing if he can even those splits a little bit more, I think will be interesting. Um, So those are probably my top three. But um, aside from that, it seems like Ranger Suarez is going to be out for a little while. So the starting pitching depth is being tested right now. So, maybe how they respond to that and you know whether they're whether other other players are able to step up in uh in the absence of Suarez and then uh Andrew Painter who's going to be out for longer
0: I used to do a piece when I when I uh covered the Eagles like before every season where I would ask a bunch of teammates like who's one teammate who's going who who is going to have a big year this season (laughs) just to kind of you know get a pulse of the locker room i you know, I I didn't like give you homework and say, can you ask every player
3: so That's I can idea, that on the podcast, but.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm sure just in your conversations with people uh, around the team, whether it's, you know, players, front office, coaches, whatever, were there, was there like a name or two that came up often during spring training where, you know, sometimes like we, we always hear what people tell us, but then we can kind of be like, all right, this actually seems legit. Were, were there a couple names that popped up a lot? Was it Bohm, Was it someone else where people were like, you know, keep an eye uh, on this guy this year because I think he might exceed expectations.
2: Yeah, I think Bohm for sure. And again, it's not just, um, it's not just, you know, the result of this spring. I think it's like the culmination of the work that he's put in with Kevin long since last year. So, um, so boom, but also like people aren't really like, I I talked to Kevin after the game today and he wasn't really surprised by what he saw today. You know what I mean? Like it's, he has a very, like, yeah, like we kind of knew this was coming. We were expecting this. He's been working at it for a long time. So, um there's just this like quiet confidence about him that wasn't really there at this point. I mean, you think about where he was this point last, last year, it wasn't even a guarantee that he would be, (laughs) you know, he was just fighting for a spot on the team. Yeah. So, um, when you look at that as (laughs) like in the lens of what he's doing now, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. That would be, so huge for them just in terms of replacing Hoskins production. If Bohm makes mm-hmm. the leap. And then even if Castellanos isn't making the leap that some people might hope for or the rebound that, you know, you have somebody else to kind of uh, pick up the slack there. All right. Last thing I am. I'm so intrigued by the life of a, a baseball Beat writer, just the Mm -hmm. the travel. So yeah, I was gonna ask you what you're doing. You get like a rare off day in a city, right? Tomorrow because it's opener off day, and then two more games. You kind of already filled us in. You're you're going to a Taylor Swift concert, (laughs) so this set up very well uh, for you. But like that, then what? Like what? When do you travel to New York? Like when are you back home in Philadelphia next? Just take us through like the first uh, week of the season. What the life of a baseball beat writer? Yeah,
2: so I'm gonna go see Taylor. Tomorrow, which is great because I was not able to get tickets for Philly and I was um, really disappointed. They were going for like $1,300 a pop, and I was like, yeah. I'm not paying that much my, as much as I love her. I'm not going to do that. Um, so, super excited that she was here on an off day and that I'm able to see her. Um, but yeah, what I'm timing, by like-
0: the way. I mean, a, a Taylor Swift fan and a Phillies beat writer to get the opener and then Taylor Swift back to back in the same city. That's, yeah, I you're, know. you're doing something right.
2: Talk about a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been quite the one two punch there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so after that, a couple more days in Texas, and then I'm going to go to Philly for. One day, um, not going to be covering the first game of the Yankee series, and then taking the Amtrak to New York. It's easy when the series is in New York because you can just take the Amtrak back and forth, and yeah, you know, it's an easy trip. Um, Texas is a little bit more challenging. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, so those are the first couple of days, but um, but yeah, obviously it was a it's was a short off season, so part of me is like it's a little bit surreal even being back <laughs> being back here you know, that now that they're playing games that matter, but, um, but yeah, it'll, there will be a
0: grind. <laughs> yeah, it's fu- it's funny how much depends on what team you cover. Like like Mike Reese, who covers the Patriots for ESPN. Like his you know his work season always lasted way longer than you know yeah. somebody who was covering the Lions or anyone else just covering games. And those are the most important months at the end of it. But uh, it, it was a fun run last year. You yeah. did an awesome job uh, covering it. Everyone should check it. Listen, if the Inquirer higher ups are listening, I mean, I am subscribing <laughs> to the Enquirer number one. Reason. Is Alex Coffee's Phillies <laughs> coverage. So if they're listening, hopefully they know that you should read it too. Uh, and again, her tweets are awesome. She takes us inside what's happening, the clubhouse on the field, batting practice, all those things. So check her out at Buy Alex Coffee. <laughs> did I did I miss any other plugs? Is there anything else we have to uh get out there before we let you go?
2: Um, nothing. I I guess tomorrow I'm gonna have a piece on Alec Bone. Um, you know, just like why we're seeing what we're seeing from him. Um, but other than that, no, nothing that comes to mind.
0: That'll be great. We will, we will read that. We will check that out. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Enjoy the concert tomorrow. And uh, hopefully you. we can have you, <laughs> have you on again uh, sometime soon. <laughs> Shield. Okay. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break, come back. And of course, it's time for Cliff's group chat. We got a lot of stuff going on. The Sixers, the Eagles, who knows what else Cliff's friends are talking about this week. We'll get to that in a second. Right back.
2: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes,
3: There's a lot that could impress you about the all new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of
1: dreams. Visit honda.com Prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.
0: All right, we're back. Thanks again to Alex Coffee. again. Her coverage of the Phillies is awesome. Uh, definitely uh, check her out on Twitter. Buy Alex Coffee. She has uh, awesome just... Videos, visuals of everything going on with that team, and despite the opening day loss, Cliff, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun season.
3: We can't overreact to one game. Here, here's what I'm gonna say: I was getting a stupid amount of text messages during the game, like as I'm watching the game, and I'm like, I know this is only opening day, and I know this is not going to be a trend, but I'm so hyped for the Phillies, and I'm so ready, and I'm so glad everybody's amped up for the Phillies too. After they put up yeah. their uh, their season opener hype video on Instagram today. I was like, yes. man. I was like, man, let's go, man. I'm so hype. Listen, like the a few summer, you know, even kind of last summer, like going into the season, like you, were you expecting any bit of a run that happened last year? So I wasn't really as hyped for the season to begin last year, like this year coming off of what happened last season and then going into this season with some high expectations. Like I'm I'm amped, man, I'm ready to go. They, you know, they're coming up to, they come up here to New York in a couple of days. I can't wait to go to one of those games. Like, you know, maybe we're going to run into each other. I don't know, man. We'll see.
0: Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. This is as excited as I've been for a Philly season in a long time. Last season was like the season that came out of nowhere. But this is the season where it's a weird feeling as a baseball fan to be like, I actually think this is gonna be fun. Like, you know, there's something different about a fun summer when the baseball team you root for is playing well and the ballpark's packed and everything's going their way. So i will plus uh, Citizens Bank is a
3: vibe too. Like, it's not like yes. it's not like we have like a corny ballpark. Like, Citizens Bank is, I remember the heydays, right? Where I would get out of school, we would go down to Citizens Bank Park and just tailgate after school. Like literally just yeah. hang out, tell, cause obviously school's done at like three o'clock. We get down there by like, you know, 4:35 or whatever the case may be. And then the game starts at seven o'clock. We will literally get there and just tailgate. Some people go to the game, some people won't. Some people just go right back home. But like that's how much <laughs> yeah. of a vibe that 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 area is and that energy is. So I'm man, I can't wait to get to a couple games this year. I'm I'm excited for my guy Bone. You know, that's my favorite Philly. Yeah, uh, yeah. you look great. So uh, I'm just hyped for everybody, man. I'm I'm ready to go.
0: Yeah, Boehm looked great. Uh, Turner uh, looked, you know, he, he's going to be so much fun. Yep. He's so athletic. So we'll watch this weekend. They'll they'll pile up some wins. It's only one game. All right, what else? We got a lot going on, Cliff. What, what are we leading with here on Cliff's
3: group chat? All right, man. Earlier this week, this, this started off the week, right? Earlier this week, we had a situation where the Sixers had a back-to-back first Golden State Warriors on Friday night, and then they played the Suns the next night on a back-to-back two games in which Joel and B played, knowing that the Sixers had to go to Denver on Monday night, as you know, the NBA world, NBA fans across the country, I was super disappointed that the Sixers rested Joel and B. They didn't give us the MVP matchup part two that we all were anticipating we all wanted. Um, I know they ro- I feel like they robbed the whole NBA fans of that experience completely, uh, knowing that they were going to do that going into that game. Um, and there's, there's two sides to this. The first side is I feel like the Sixers wanted to eliminate that game from MVP consideration, period. And the second side is is that people, MVP voters, Kendrick Perkins, I'm a I'ma call his name out, even said he's gonna use this game because he believes Embiid was quote unquote ducking Nikola Jokic uh from that smoke on Monday night, um, and kind of use the 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 calf injury as an excuse, use the low management as an excuse. And Personally, I think it's so stupid to let one game of 82 games determine an MVP anyway, even though it is, a, you know, I guess a quote-unquote one-versus-one matchup. Like, let's say MB dropped 25 and 13 in that game and the Sixers lost. Like, does that change anyone's mind of who the MVP should be? Or if Jokic had a triple-double and they lost, does that change anyone's mind of who the MVP should be? I think too, too many people were putting too much stock into that one game and having that hinge on MVP voting. And I'm kind of with the Sixers for not letting him play that game in order for the MVP voting to not be factored by that game. However, I am hurt by the Sixers at the same time because we were robbed of seeing that (laughs) matchup. So I'm kind of on the fence. But if I had to lean more towards it, I'm just like, man, I'm I'm, I'm okay with him sitting out that game just because there's such a bigger picture here. Um, And, you know, we're about to make a playoff push. You know, there's some injuries going on with Embiid. I'm not sure what exactly it is. It sounded like the calf injury is, you know, somewhat real, but he could have played had he wanted to play. Um, I just wanted your opinion on that. What do you think? Well, listen, what yeah, one game I'm with you.
0: One game should not determine who the MVP is. That's silly. At the same time, I have a little foresight here. I mean, they play a back-to-back in Golden State and Phoenix. I, you know, on on that Phoenix game was what, Saturday? It was Friday right? and Saturday. Friday, you Saturday, have to get Monday. on a plane. Yeah. Think
3: about it. You have to get on a plane from San Fran to Phoenix, which that flight is like. Why? Yeah, that flight Why is like a is good Why is he playing in hours. that
0: Phoenix game? I mean, he just had, what, 46, eight, and nine in Golden State. Played great. You lose the game. Then you go to Phoenix. You know you have this Denver game. On Monday, I have no idea. Like, if you have some foresight and are planning it out, I'm all for it. Yeah, you want these guys healthy for the playoffs. But sit him on Saturday. He doesn't play against Phoenix. He gets Saturday and Sunday off. He's ready Monday against the Nuggets. Because honestly, I think he had sort of more to gain than more to lose than to lose by playing that game. Like, if he came out and balled out and they won that game, now it's two times that he has just kind of crushed the nuggets and he's won the head-to-head. So that is like a big feather in his cap if you're looking at the MVP conversation. And then it's like you said, if he had... 27 and 11 and they lose no one's gay no one you know no one's going oh my gosh you know Jokic killed him so i just feel like there was actually more to gain than to lose by him playing there so my frustration is just like what was the planning here and then you know Chris and Rahim talked about it the athletic article comes out that morning where you know as i've been saying for weeks when you know i think they were saying oh it's good that mb doesn't care about mvp this year yeah right Have we would pay attention to his career I don't care what he says. Of course he cares about winning MVP. So, uh, I don't like how they, I don't like how they handled it. Now. I don't know exactly. Is it doc? Is it Daryl Morey? Is it MB? Like who's making the final call? Um, I knowing what we know about Embiid, you wouldn't, like, there's, there's nothing in his history that says he wouldn't want to play uh, in that game, you know, you would think he would want to play in that game, so I don't like how it was handled, at the same time I am just kind of like, I wish they could just get this MVP thing <laughs> over with, because I just want to talk about playoffs and what's going to happen, but I'm looking at this right now, Cliff, yeah. FanDuel have you looked at what's, the odds what's the today? Odds?
3: No, I didn't see it, what's the odds today? Plus
0: 110 Joel Embiid, yeah. Plus one ten, Nicole. Oh, Jokic, tied right exactly now. Exactly the same. Oh odds man, right now so they got with Giannis heat. at plus five
3: hundred. And and you know what? I actually heard Windhorse. He said he took like a straw poll with other MVP voters today, and he said it's kind of yeah. like a dead heat right now. So the Sixers got I some. Saw that the Sixers got a game. Too. Yeah, Sixers got a game against the Bucks. Well, first we got Toronto Friday. Celtics. First there's Toronto Friday, yeah. and then there's a game against the Bucks and the Celtics. If anything, I think the MVP is going to really ride on those games before anything he had to do with playing in Denver on a, you know, coming off of that back to back, which I mean, let's let's admit it. The Sixers did that on purpose. Yes, I think they. Yeah, but I don't
0: know why, though. Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't understand exactly. I disagree with their reasoning overall there. So maybe we'll, you know, learn more about it. You know, and will uh, voice, the you know, voice something about it yeah. at some point. So we'll see what happens there. All right. What, what do we, what do we got speaking, next? Speaking year? of the
3: Sixers, uh, chill. I texted yeah. you earlier and uh, I saw James Harden's comments coming off the victory last night against the Dallas Mavericks and they are very, very concerning. Uh, James Harden, he was out for the entire West Coast trip coming off of that game against the Bulls uh, last Monday, I believe it was. Um, He sat against the Bulls on Wednesday of last week. He sat out against the back-to-backs against uh, Phoenix and the Warriors, and he sat out of that game against the Nuggets. And after Monday's game, James talked about his Achilles being unbearable. Quote, unquote, he said unbearable at some points of the game. Now, we are going into the playoffs here, and we can't be limping into the playoffs. James Harden is super important to the Sixers and whatever they need to do to accomplish anything this, uh, this postseason. I mean, lead leader and assists still uh, controls the offense. You could see how rudderless the ship looks when he's not controlling the offense or he's not the starting point guard. I just have a lot of concerns with him saying that after the game. Like, how concerned are you to see the Sixers limp into another playoffs if, in fact, this injury really is bothering them? This seems like last year all over again, right?
0: Yeah, it's what we said on this pod a couple of weeks ago that like I don't care, Celtics, Pucks, seeding, whatever. Just get me Embiid, Harden, and Maxi healthy in the playoffs and let's see what happens. And now look at it. I mean, Embiid in that Ma- that Mavericks game was ugly. And Embiid was like, you know, you can never really tell because he's always sort of grimacing and you're like, wait, is this a serious thing? Is it not a serious thing? But uh, I didn't think he looked totally 100%. And I didn't think James Harden... Looked good in that game. I mean, he At went like, four for fourteen. At all, Cliff. Yeah. Cliff. His last two. His last two games, six for twenty-eight. <laughs> James Harden. That's terrible. We've talked on this. Harden has played great this year yeah. for the most part. I mean, a very pleasant surprise. Yeah. I was not expecting to kind of get hooked in by the Sixers team, and I did. Um, <laughs> maybe well, he's a he's why. a big
3: reason though, because you saw how for the you curse. See how, yeah, you see how he, he controlled the expectations. Role. Yeah, and then when yeah. when beat isn't on the floor. I swear to God, every other player gets way better, like just because the offense doesn't go through Embiid when he's not on the floor. And I mean that with Harden, like even when even when other guys like when Matisse, I will be on the floor with Harden, like he looked significantly better. Players just look better with James Harden on the floor and the entire team looks way better when James Harden is on the floor, whether it's the pick and roll action or whether they're just doing that cutting offense where, uh, you know, Embiid is off the floor and he needs to take a breather. They look good. And uh, this this is just scary to me because I don't want to go into a series where we got to play the first series right. We got to play Miami. We got to play either Miami or Brooklyn. It's looking like Brooklyn. And, yeah. and you go into that series and and you see James Harden start limping around. Uh, you know, take me out. Blah blah blah. Stuff yeah. is lingering, and then you have to rely on Shake Miller or Maxie to be to be the point guards or D'Anthony Melton. Um, I, man, I, this is super concerning. And luckily, we do have some games left to see, you know, to kind of gauge like where he's really at with this injury and two very important games coming up here. Actually, the Raptors game is super important, too, because we need him to be healthy. We are in striking distance at a two seed. And I think they very much need that two seed if they were going to have a series against the Celtics in the playoffs.
0: I mean, the, the, the my issue is that we've seen Harden when he like last year, he's dealing with the hamstring injury yeah. and he looked like a totally different player than he's looked like this year when he was healthy. So it's it's. Hugely concerning. You look at how he's played the last two games. That's why these last six games are huge. I mean, I don't think they're gonna get that two seed because they, they're gonna lose they lose the tie break to the Celtics already. Yep, yep. So they would have to make up, you know, multiple games there. Just like games, you said, yeah. the Celtics are winning as we talk here. So I think they're gonna be the three-seed, but at the same time, there's a lot riding on these last six games because I want like two games where Harden looks like He's looked for most of the season in, you know, December, January, uh, February, that guy we saw and we said, okay, maybe this year can be different. I don't know if we're going to get that or not. We very well might, like you said, I mean, if we're looking at an exit in the first or second round for the Sixers, I think we can already look at what the storyline is (laughs) going to be. Well, you know, Harden was dealing with the Achilles injury and beat hurt the calf. And that's, that, that's the reason here. So, um, I think you're right.
3: Like it's it's every year. Yeah, I know. Every year. So yeah, you're,
0: yeah, your concern is warranted. I did want to say this about Maxi. I feel like Maxi gets picked apart a little too much. And I hear, like, oh, his playmaking, his defense. I mean, Maxi is just like Maxi shooting 42% from three and averaging 21 points per game. And he's fast and he can take over quarters. And he's like, uh, he's a problem offensively. He's a shot maker. And so uh, I just want to kind of give him his, his props for he's been playing you know, fantastic and just lighting up, uh, lighting up the scoreboard the last couple of games, but really uh, all season long. For for
3: sure. And uh, like he had the roles kind of waffle on him once he came back from injury. Exactly. Yeah. Once he came back, like I was actually, I was dead wrong because I thought, man, he might be a liability on defense, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, is he that bad on defense compared to, melons offense making up for it you know what i'm saying so i was just right yeah it it,
0: wasn't statistically when they were benching him yeah you
3: could there was no evidence of that right and then on top of that it's just like he wasn't getting the minutes because no matter what when you don't start the game you kind of don't get started minutes unless you come in within like five minutes of the game you know what i'm saying so yeah uh, it it it, i was dead wrong about that but it makes sense now to get him you know that third you know 39 35 38 Minutes a game, just because he is a spark plug for the Sixers in Denver. Right when it was just like, "Yo, Tyrese, just take the ball and do whatever you want with it." He was getting his buckets off and beating anybody in front of him. Max Maxi is yeah. legitimately special. Uh, I'm I'm a huge fan, and I, even last year uh, in the playoffs when Embiid and Harden, Embiid got the facial injury from Pascal yeah. Siakam and Harden had the in, the hamstring. I thought Maxi was the only one that was out there like truly playing with some heart. So I, I think it's super pivotal to have him remain in that role, kind of you know be that second, be that second option when uh, you know either Joel or James isn't on the floor, and kind of take the reins of the offense because w- whenever he touches the rock, whether it's fast break transition, spot, spot up threes, like on the offense, the, yeah. the dude can almost kind of do anything from the perimeter. And, it, and yeah, at his stature, it's actually kind of crazy. But you can tell that's just work that work ethic from his uh, his mom and his dad. You know, I've heard plenty of stories about them. So, shout out to Maxi, man. We definitely gonna need him later on down the line in playoffs, too. And mean him to be big. So,
0: yeah, he carries them straight, and he'll carry them for a quarter through stretches. Um, so, I get he's gonna have to do more of that if those guys are uh, injured for sure. All right, yeah. what
3: else we got? All right, let's get to some football, man. Let's get to some football. Okay. Lamar Jackson's going through his contract stuff. Uh, we also have a quarterback here in Philly who's expecting a contract to come up which sparked a good debate today in one of the uh, Eagles chats or one of the general Philly sports chats today about who's better, Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts. Now, obviously, Lamar's been in the league a little bit longer. I think he's been in the league two more years than Jalen Hurts, 2018, 2020, and he's been the starting quarterback since when they benched Joe Flacco in favor of Lamar Jackson. And today, uh, one of my friends actually texted me about Solak's take. He said... I can't believe Solak thinks Lamar Jackson is better than Jalen Hurts. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not disrespect Lamar Jackson right now. Well, Baltimore has, I think they've literally done everything not to help Lamar Jackson besides give him an, an elite tight end, a somewhat decent offensive line. But the, other than that, the, the weapons really aren't, haven't been there his entire tenure there in Baltimore. Um, And I think Jalen Hurts, the Eagles completely tailored the offense towards Jalen Hurts' abilities. And they got A.J. Brown, a stud wide receiver in the offseason. And the offensive line has obviously been the best in the league the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and they they continue to build on that. They even drafted a lineman last year and Cam Jergens. So, um, yeah, I, listen, the situations are completely different. But if you ask me, if you just ask me raw talent, just looking player to player, I, I think Lamar Jackson is better than Jalen Hurts. Like, and somebody said – that it's crazy to think that Lamar Jackson is better than Jalen Hurts. I, I, now, what's your stance on that? Because I love Lamar. Yes, it, I love both. First of all, I love both. Don't get me wrong here. Lamar's an MVP. Obviously, we know what he's capable of. You know, he's, you know, a great quote unquote running quarterback. He could definitely pass the ball too. Um, so let's not yeah. do that stigma. These are both great athletic black quarterbacks who know how to pass the football, which should be yeah. noted. Um and I, I just thought I was like, this is such a recency biased thing. Why are we saying Jalen Hurts is automatically better than Lamar because he went to the Super Bowl last year? Lamar Jackson's been fairly consistent throughout his career since he had to get got put in that fire as a rookie. So what's, what's your thoughts?
0: Yeah, Solak and I, I think disagree uh on this. He he's definitely thinks Lamar Jackson uh is better. I I think I would rather have Hurts if I was just looking ahead right now I mean they're they're different quarterback I think Hurts throws a better uh, a better deep ball Mm -hmm. and again it's hard because like if Lamar were in the Eagles offense it would look different if Hurts were in the Ravens offense it would look different there's no doubt about it I mean we all know that that was a debate all last season how much of his it is Hurts how much of of it is his supporting cast but uh, man I just thought he improved so much like he's shown such an ability to improve his accuracy his decision making his, his ability to push the ball down the field. I also like just kind of like having the the guy who's you know the, the the lower body strength that Jalen Hurts gives you and like he's just an answer in short yardage you know Lamar Jackson's gonna make people miss Jalen Hurts is gonna be able to like take a hit I feel better uh and and stay healthy longer so Lamar's missed what 10 games over the, the past two seasons, two seasons. Yep. now this this was only Hurts second year as a starter so mm-hmm. like can he get through four years uh as a starter and is he not gonna miss those games that that's something we have to continue to monitor but um, I don't know I, I just feel like hurts the intangibles, the whole package, uh, you know, you, you can kind of fit him in, uh, wherever you want to at the same time. Uh, yeah, I do think Lamar Jackson, like I want to see him in a situation where he's helped more, whether it's supporting cast or play calling or whatever, and see what that looks like. Cause we saw what the ceiling looked like when he won the MVP. So, uh, so and I definitely, I think we argued about that during last season. And, uh, he mentioned it again on extra point taken this past week where I was like, all right, I'm not going to get into an argument with you, uh, <laughs> right now about this but i definitely feel like i i i like lamar jackson i think if i had to pick i would rather have hurts
3: going forward that's that's interesting man i don't because honestly i really don't know i all right as an eagles fan obviously seeing what the eagles are capable of doing with jalen hurts i'm gonna say jalen hurts but that's for the eagles if i'm talking like just in general raw talent lamar yeah is scary good like
0: yeah he can do it all No doubt,
3: he can really do it all so I don't know. I just thought that that was such a Homerism, crazy take. To say, yeah, you know, Jalen Hurts is definitely better than Lamar Jackson. Like, let's not forget here, Lamar Jackson won an MVP already. You know what I'm saying? So,
0: yeah, I mean, there were t- there's times where you watch the Ravens pass the game, and it looks like everybody just met each other in the parking lot <laughs> before the game. But that's not all the quarterback. Right. I mean, that's the personnel, the coaching too. Um, and I, I haven't there hasn't really been stretches like that with Jalen Hurts. I mean, there really weren't back to back games last year where you're like, ooh, he didn't play well in two games yep. in a row. Like he he is just He's so, MVP I candidate. just love his, yeah, his probably, mindset, yeah. how even Keel he is, how he just sets the tone for the whole team, uh, all those things. So I would go with him. All right, I think we're ending with a uh a fun one here, right? You said what yeah. what was the graphic you sent me? All right, before? all right. The, all right. Yeah. So
3: so one of my favorite pages on Instagram <laughs> is Philly Scoop Hall. Shout out to them. Uh they keep us they keep us posted on everything Philly, just all the crazy videos and and artists and uh you know topics that come out of Philly. So shout out to Philly Scoop Hall. And they gave us um a category here this is a food category here right so okay. you can only choose two forever you can only choose two forever between these four these four philly staples and i didn't think this was okay. it particularly hard so <laughs> it's between soft pretzels cheese steaks hoagies and water ice out of the four okay. out of the four what two are you keeping forever
0: all right. Well, this is a little easier for me because, as you know, I'm vegetarian, so I can automatically knock out uh, the cheesesteak. So it comes. All right, all right hold to the on, hold on. The that's three. not fair. That's
3: not fair. That's not fair because you're a vegetarian. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold up. You have to oh, do God. this from the perspective of like what's actually what actually tastes good and what Philadelphians actually eat and love to eat consistently. Okay. All right. Like, what's the true staple of Philadelphia staple? All
0: right. Yes. Then I think the Philadelphia answer would probably be I would say cheesesteak. I wanna say cheesesteak and pretzel, because you're like, are you gonna go two breaded products, two sandwiches? But I have to say, like, when you live in other areas of the country, you know, I was in Seattle for two years, you can't find anything resembling a hoagie. The bread quality is not nearly the same. (laughs) So, like, I personally would go, it's a hoagie and pretzel, because I'm like, Those are staples in the Capatia household. Uh, You know, those are unique to Philadelphia. You go to like, uh, you know, other places and you're not going to get the same quality there. So I think any, if you do any combination of cheesesteak, hoagie and soft pretzel, you're good. Get that water ice out of there. I mean, (laughs) come on. I, yeah I am not I don't know about you I am not a water ice guy at all like like it's fine I'm not saying I would never have it but like it just doesn't do it for me all that you know you get to a certain age all that sugar in your body you're gonna get <laughs> yeah, a headache it, yeah. I'm gonna be like hungover on water ice just because all, all that sugar entering my body so that's like uh yeah I, I would always choose like a now I don't love the ice cream anymore because again as you get older you don't do the dairy as much yeah. but uh I would well, you know in my younger days I would choose ice cream over water ice any day of the week where, where are you? you which two did you choose where are you with water ice uh,
3: this is easy for me uh, soft pretzel and cheesesteak. like I, I think that okay. that's super easy for me so water ice yeah. I don't despise like I love all four don't get me wrong um, hoagie's probably the fourth for me because really I love, yeah I get, it, I get it like this right because like you said remember you said you lived in different places in the country and you were like yeah. yo you can't find like the bread or anything like that different from hoagie right I found myself not even like wanting one you know what I'm saying? Like, really? yeah, like
0: oh, I disagree. Yeah. No, I was missing. I was oh, missing
3: it. I was missing the cheesesteak, if anything. And okay. every yo, every city you go to, they have some fake cheesesteak spot. You ever realize That's that? That's true. Every single That's one. True. I don't try them. First yeah. of all, I don't try them because okay. I can't. But when I was living in Connecticut, they had a dope cheesesteak spot made from some dudes actually from Philly. We talked about it with our the uh, Gandhi yeah yeah yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they they knew what the hell that they were doing. But when it, when it came to hoagies, like I was never like sitting in the house sitting in my apartment, like, yo, where's the best hoagie spot out here? Because they do have them in New England when I lived up there. Like they call them grinders. But I was never just sitting there up there. Like, man, I miss a good a good Lee's or Primos or any one of those. Yeah. By the way, fire hoagies. I'm not. I'm not saying hoagies <laughs> aren't good. I'm just saying yeah. that's not like up there for me. Like that's not up there in my preference rank for me. For me. It's got to be a cheesesteak. Like every couple of weeks, you just got to get, well, you're a vegetarian, but all my people listening here from the city, in the city, around the city, Bucks County, Delaware County, Delaware, South Jersey, wherever you may be at, you know, every couple of weeks, you got to touch a cheesesteak just to be like, oh, (laughs) damn, like I love, this is so good. Like that will never, a cheesesteak will never get old to me and soft pretzels, right?
0: I'm so hungry right now. By the way, <laughs> just you talking, like I could, yeah, I could, I could have a second dinner right now. It's after nine o'clock. I'm gonna go eat something after. Oh, this. Okay, Sorry, all right.
3: And real quick, and why I eliminated water ice is because water ice is very seasonal. I will say this: I do, I might get a couple water ices in the summertime, but you're right, though. I'm not really like, oh man, like I need to go grab grab the yeah. water ice, especially like during the cold months. Like I'll every once in a while, like I'll grab like a slushy or something like that, but. I was never a guy that was like, damn, I need a, a cold Rita's water ice right now. Only if yeah. it was like super hot out. If I was like driving past it, like, yo, let's not, like I'm sure your daughters probably tell you all the time, like, hey, dad. They love it. Dad. They
0: love the water ice. It drives me nuts. I'm <laughs> like, no, let's go get let's go get ice cream. Yeah. We don't need the
3: water ice. They yeah. love the water ice. Yeah, it, like, ice cream, by the way, there's an amazing ice cream place up uh, where I grew up too called Spring ice cream. Shout out to them in Elkins Park. But uh, yeah, no, the water ice for me, like, Growing up, yeah, that's definitely more of a staple. But like, as you get, you're right. As you get older, like that, it kind of wears off on you. You know what I'm saying? Like the yeah. the 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 want and need for it just isn't there anymore. But for me, if I ever go into like a Wawa or something like that, and they got the soft pretzels like sitting right right by there, uh, a lot. Yo, yeah. they are especially like the ones that are like freshly baked. You know, fun yeah. fact. You know, I used to work at a Wawa.
0: Really? Yeah. No, we got to get into some of those stories. <laughs> Yo, I gotta tell. You.
3: I gotta tell. You. Yeah, I used to work. I used to work at the Wawa in Jingatown. I think it's technically in Abington now. Um, they just moved yeah. up and created like a gas station Wawa. But I used to work at the Wawa in Jingatown back in the day uh, when I was a senior in high school. And we, used to, I used to just go crazy on the salt pretzels, like the doubles. Because at the end of the night, there's a yeah, bunch double. of yeah, yeah. At the end of the night, there's a bunch of them that are about to just go out. All you had to do was pop it in the uh, the little oven real quick for like. Give it like 10, 15 seconds. It'll be right fluffy again and perfect again. Yeah, I will always love a soft pretzel, man. Like one with mustard on there is so good. So that's why. Yeah, from- I
0: go plain, but yeah, no. Oh I, yeah, yeah, no,
3: I, no, no. Plain's good too. Plain is definitely good yeah. too. But if you put the mustard on there. Uh, it, chef's kiss, man. It is so good. So, you know,
0: when me. it's the best, the best, it's, it's when you're like, a, have like a long drive or something yep. or road trip yep. and you stop at a Wawa to get something else yep. and then you got to grab one and then it like, you know, you just eat it in the car while you're driving it fills you up. Yep. I mean that, yeah, I, I'm definitely doing that. This is making me hungry. this was also, <laughs> it was also good to end on that water ice ice cream thing. You know, it's going to warm up a little bit. We're looking at April. Uh, we're <laughs> yep. looking at the, the spring, the summertime. So I definitely uh, like that a lot. All right. Another special, a successful edition of Cliff's group chat. That will do it for this episode, uh, a lot of good feedback on the draft episode with me and Solak. I thought that was a lot of fun. Solak brings it with his every uh, time draft man. takes every time. Yeah, He's I'm, so I'm, smart. I'm dipping my toe, yeah, he he loves the draft man. He's uh, you know the draft Knicks. That's like yeah. a different community where they're just like obsessed, uh,
3: obsessed with. I, it, I really I've used to be to that like level. that. Yeah, I used to be yeah. like obsessed with because remember you know for a little bit of time there the Eagles were kind of in a, in a little rut, so we had to look at right? the draft a lot. And um, I, I used to look at every well, I watch college football no matter what anyway. Like on Saturdays, like I'm yeah. really watching the big programs of Howe State, Alabama, all the SEC schools, with, you know, whoever's good, basically. And um, I'm always like, yo, the Eagle, he would look good in the Eagles uniform. He would look great in the Eagles uniform. Right. I love the draft process, just looking. But it's like it got weirder and weirder to me because I'm thinking to myself, all you're doing is really looking at people's like highlights. Like at the end of the day, are you really looking at. Yeah every single snap that this player's taking, right. like you're looking at what they could possibly do, but then a lot of people don't realize like maybe, you know, out of, out of a hundred, you know, let's say they have a hundred snaps a game, right? Maybe they had like six great ones, but then they had 94 just either mid or, you know, lower tier snaps. And you're just like, yeah. well, wait, look what he was, pos- look what he was good at. But then you're like, well, wait, what do you do the rest of that game? He was fairly quiet and was put on his ass the whole yeah. time. So, <laughs> yeah, but that I was like yeah. Von,
0: uh, Vontez Perfect was the guy yeah, back in there. Remember, yeah. remember that? Yep. He just lit people up. Yep. Everyone got excited,
3: but he couldn't remember. Really so what was one more draft prospect? My man from Robert Kamichi, remember him? The dude? Yes. Yeah, he was another he was another dude that was The his, edge rusher yep, Yeah. Yep, yep.
0: Did so it, did it. Did it. Didn't work out for him. He was having off-field, uh, some weird off-field stories, if I remember yep. uh, correctly there. But it's fun. There's a lot to get to. I mean, Sixers only have six more games. Mm-hmm. Philly season is underway. Eagles, we're going to have a lot, a lot of draft content. What's up with the Flyers? So, uh, good question. You're asking the wrong guy. I got to text my guy, Charlie O'Connor, and he can uh, he can let us know. But we appreciate everyone listening. Rate, review, Subscribe. All that good stuff. Uh, appreciate all of it. Thank you to Cliff. Thank you to Alex Coffee. We will be back next week on the Ringers Philly Special.